Welcome into the Paul Kuharski Podcast, part of the 440 Sports Network. Anxious to talk to you about Titans developments as they get ready for the big game at Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Will Levis has brought this team some life. There's a big booing issue going on. Nicholas Petit Frere is going to take on TJ Watt. And I've got a few mailbag questions to dig into. I'm brought to you by Zen Sports and Jaspers. And I want to get started right away. Will Levis, the big story coming out of the big win over the Falcons. Four touchdown passes, three of them beautiful bombs. Uh, The guy can sling it. And look, with quarterback confidence comes football team confidence. We all know that. For one game, he absolutely brought it. And he brought the one thing that had disappeared for the Titans at two and four after the loss to the Ravens and in London. Hope. Uh, he's terrific against the Falcons, particularly with those deep balls. Uh, uh, three of the top 10 best air yard completions of the season in the NFL. A couple other near misses to Traylon Burks. Uh, Chigakonkwo dropped a ball that would have been a 30 or 40 yard gain and, and upped his numbers. But one of the misses to Burks was probably uh, Levis's second best throw of the game to the uh, rollout to the right and the throw back to Nick Westbrook Aquina for the 61 yard touchdown. You might hear my dogs in the background. I'm recording at the very end of trick or treating. And there's no avoiding it. And they are very exciting. It could be such an up and down league for a middle of the pack team the titans still may qualify for that they're not dead in terms of this seventh spot which is the last wild card spot look they're not totally dead in terms of the division they win in pittsburgh jags i believe are off this weekend they'd be four and four with the jags at six wins two wins off the pace with two games against the jags i know it sounds kind of unreasonable and unrealistic but they'd be maintaining contact um which isn't a bad place to be after a a two and four start Um, they're going to come out of week eight if they win at worst tied for the second most wins in the afc south two games behind jacksonville Only eight AFC teams can be better than them, and seven are in the playoffs, like I said. So they'd be very much in range with a mini-buy and uh, heading to Tampa Bay a week from Sunday. Sometimes it's worth hitting the same topic with a lot of people so that you hear different wrinkles on the same theme. And I'm here to feed you that this week on the enthusiasm for what Levis just brought the Titans. So in the one open locker room of the week, I asked a lot of people about Levis's swagger and confidence and its contagiousness. Uh, And I want to start with with, uh, Tim Kelly because he came right out and said kind of that there's a line to toe and, and that he likes what he sees from Levis in terms of doing so. Yeah, there's a there, there's definitely a certain um, confidence swagger whatever you want to call it uh, that was evident when we watched the tape um, you know when, when we were back evaluating them um, and and you know he does a good job of not not crossing that line right because it's a fine line between uh, you know being confident and, and being on a, the, the wrong side of that so 
Uh, he's done a good job of coming in here and working and earning the respect of his teammates. Uh, how does that swagger contagious is it, particularly when it comes into a game? Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know, from from anyone, whether it's uh, uh, you know, Hop with his his touchdown celebrations, or Ryan with his finger roll, or Will getting fired up. There, you know, any anytime our guys are able to go out there and play with energy uh, and enthusiasm, especially after making a big play, uh, it, it's it's definitely a contagious vibe that that kind of you know caught fire for us the other day. In light of Levis having this great debut, there's been some rehashing of of how he was viewed coming out of the draft, and one of the things that turned some teams off, that turned some scouts off was this cockiness, right? Um, and, and Kelly touches on it there. You, you want a guy to have swagger and be confident and be cocky, but you don't want him to have too much of that stuff. And certainly if he has that stuff, you want him to back it up. Look, uh, you know, since Levis was drafted by the Titans, certainly in his dealings with the media, he's been nothing but pleasant. He's been confident, but not overly so. He handled the win incredibly gracefully, um, but certainly, you know, uh, with the right degree of humility, but he wasn't wasn't tamping it down uh, to a ridiculous degree either. Vrabel, you know, didn't give him a ton of credit. Mike Herndon pointed out, you know, um, Vrabel has a habit of, of not pumping the tires of guys who do super well to kind of keep them on a level. And sometimes, you know, giving a pat on the back to somebody that maybe needs a, a little bit of a boost. That's an astute observation by Herndon about the way that uh, Mike Vrabel generally carries himself with regard to talking about players. But I think that, uh, you know, Levis, since he's arrived, has been a pitch-perfect guy. He's somebody the media is excited to talk to because he's, he's uh, you know, he's got a little bit to say, and he's got some spunk and some pizzazz to him. And a lot of guys that come into the league, not just quarterbacks, are very flat and bland now. And the, when we see a guy that's not like that, we get excited. I, I think the fans get excited too with the arm pumping and the namaste and the – Billy White Shoes Johnson dance, him, you know, getting in sync with NWI with the second one and, and the namaste with, with DeAndre um, as he's found the rhythm with that. Here's Levis himself about quarterback confidence. I mean, if you're not confident in yourself, you don't believe in yourself, nobody will. Uh, same goes for just you know, my confidence with the entire offense. Is it being, being the quarterback, you know, you got to make sure that you're, you have the right mindset because, you know, guys are going to be looking to you. And you got to pick guys up and they're down and, and keep them neutral when things are up. So uh, it's definitely a big part of the job. You understands the assignment for sure, right? And, uh, I mean, if you're a quarterback getting drafted with the first pick of the second round, you need to come into the league understanding the assignment. Most confident guy in the Titans, probably Jeffrey Simmons. Derek Henry right there with him. Jeffrey Simmons, uh, you know, took a question about Levis's confidence. Not hitting the button very well. I mean, he's he doing his job, and, you know, that's what we expect, no matter who in there. Um, you know, the confident level should need to be there every week from everyone around. Long we all playing team defense, team offense, and as a whole, as a, as the Titans, we playing together and we playing for each other. Everything else take care of each other. You like that swagger that he has? I mean, I, I would hope so. I mean, that's, um, I guess energy is contagious, like you said. So, you know, hopefully it could just keep going. Westbrook Aquina, I thought, brought an interesting thing to this uh, conversation. 
and this is the benefit of talking to multiple guys about one topic. If I was writing this story, maybe all of this doesn't make it, but for the purposes of the podcast, I thought you'd like to hear from all of these guys and NWI, who is the beneficiary of, of the best pass of this game and who hit 21.5 miles an hour, by the way, uh, running, running to this ball, a speed that most of us would not have thought he had in him. So, Here's Levis bringing out the best in in one of the receivers. And WI talked about the percentage of confidence that could be uh, a big part of a guy's game. And so it was good to see him have that confidence. Um, it's You need that, I feel like, out of a quarterback because they're leading that team, they're leading the offense on the field. Um, so it was huge to see that. You feel like the team just in general has like reciprocated that and, and bought into you know as many games as you guys have with Will leading you guys here? Yeah, I mean, we got confidence in them. I mean, showcased it there. And that built, that built a lot of trust and confidence uh, for us as a team, as offense, uh, for him to be able to, to deliver that way. You said confidence is half the game? I mean, it might even be more than that, honestly. It, it depends on the player. There's guys who are super talented. And that takes over. I feel like there's guys that are just really confident and sure of themselves and allows them to play fast and showcase that talent. Um, I think it's a sliding scale, but I'd say it's probably at least half for everybody. Peter Skaronsky, a guy the Titans judged worthy of the 11th pick in a draft where they waited until 33rd to draft Will Levis, looks at his draft classmate and his initial performance as the Titans' starting quarterback and sees a building block that the whole team can look to and build off of. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was a big, a huge win for us, and Will was a huge part of that. Um, I think just overall, general, I think just feels like a little more momentum uh, going into a tough game on the road on a short week. When the quarterback comes in, does well, has that kind of swagger, youthful enthusiasm, yeah. classmate of yours, yeah. what, what's its potential? Yeah, team. I think you really just think about the next game and um, just, you know, regardless of who's back there, you think, you know, okay, we had a great game offensively, made some great throws, protected pretty well. Um, and you think you can build on that. Um, and and Will, Will was the guy who did that, and we're happy, you know, really happy with how he did. And it's like overall as an offense, you think you can build on that and bring that up next week. So there's kind of momentum off a one-game streak there. Derrick Henry, super confident guy. Uh, but he knows this team's been very inconsistent this year. They've been winning at home, except for, for home at Tottenham Hotspur, um, losing on the road, going to a tough place to play, which Levis talked about, you know, that, that they're ready for the environment that they'll face at what used to be Heinz Field. I have no idea what it's called now. Um, but he sees, uh, you know, potential for something that the Titans – have been lacking up to this. Point. I think guys is uh, you know built, built some confidence in that game. And a lot of uh, positive things to build off of. Uh, Will played great. I think he should be confident. Um, and everybody uh, overall as a team, you know, did a great job for us winning this game. You know, it's great to go into another game on a quick week off coming off a win. What's your so uh, look? This is very likely to be a much more difficult game for Will Levis as the starting quarterback of the Titans on the road, as I mentioned, they've had a much harder time, better pass rush from Pittsburgh. I know Atlanta's defense ranked pretty well, but their defensive front does not compare to um, 
Pittsburgh's with uh, TJ Watt and Highsmith as the edge rushers. And we'll talk more about that towards the end of this podcast. But I have a little doubt that, that we'll feel and see the same kind of disposition from Levis. And I think this team needs that now. It's a lot different from the defeated feeling that you got from Ryan Tannehill. Not all Ryan Tannehill's fault by any means, given the sacks, given the target issues, but Tannehill has slowed down, right? He's been beaten down, and that adds up. And Levis is a fresh guy starting fresh, and that's a big difference. And, you know, that may lead to a win in Pittsburgh against a team that does not score a lot, like the Titans do not score a lot. It may not, but I think we're bound to see a team that stands a better chance than the team that we saw go two and four, I think. Maybe Levis is a disaster in this game. In Marcus Mariota's second game, he was sacked seven times after he threw four touchdowns in his debut, just like um, Will Levis did. And again, we'll get, we'll get to this pass rush element. But it's hard for this team not to be electrified right now. And its fan base should be electrified right now. And there's something to, to say about carrying that into a place like Pittsburgh. The one thing the Titans did not like about that game was that you guys, those of you at Nissan Stadium, booed when Malik Willis came in for the second time. And I know you were booing Mike Vrabel a lot more than you were booing Malik Willis, but you're free to boo both of them. Levis had just played it. Was, it was in the middle of an epic game. Hopkins has scored three touchdowns, got himself 23 yards for matching last year's receiving yardage leader, right? Henry's a longtime hero in this town for this team. Three very powerful guys in the moments – after that win on Sunday late afternoon at Nissan Stadium. You love them, and they're telling you they don't appreciate the booze. They're instructing you on how to behave, and they're welcome to do so, but you're welcome to pass on the advice. First off, on Malik Willis, hardly the first time he's made a bad play as a situational player, as a situational guy. Bad snap from Aaron Brewer. Absolutely. It was on him quick. He should be more ready for the snap. Brewer should give him a better snap. But show your your athleticism by stopping the snap in front of you. And then B, go fall on the snap. Mike Vrabel said he's coached to fall on the snap. Skill position players, situational awareness. No, if you need to fall on that snap or if you have a chance to pluck it. He did not have a chance to pluck it. He tried to pluck it multiple times when falling on it would have been just fine. Live for another day. Know when the journey's over. This is the game awareness that Malik Willis Willis lacks. When he had the team down near the end zone to score against the Ravens in London, he should have gone out of bounds. He didn't know when the journey's over. He turned the ball up, tried to get upfield where there were no more yards to get, and said he's trying to make a play. Well, the right play to make there is to know the journey's over and to get the hell out of bounds. And the right play to make here is to fall on the ball and to cover instead of fruitlessly trying to pluck it, to pluck it, to pluck it while the Falcons come in there and recover it and get the three points that you give them. First off, everybody 
defending Willis here isn't helping him with accountability. And, and they're treating him like, like a child. An NFL football player making just under a million dollars this year in a four-year, I think it's $9 million contract, is, is 24 years old. What's what's with the, the coddling thing? I mean, defend your teammate, sure. But at the expense of, of telling the fans, instructing the fans how they must behave for a two-and-four football team that seemed up until this game – to be confused in terms of direction um, from GM to coach to, to playing style to execution. If his teammates want to defend him to that degree, that's fine. But to, to their demands that the fans should fall in line with that, you could take a hard pass. You can take a hard pass. Those three seemingly lacked the context that the booing was largely for Vrabel and the decision to take a hot Levis out of the game. Titans fans have been waiting for some kind of explosive offense, right? And for, for some kind of offense that carried itself from one quarter to the next quarter to the next quarter to the next quarter. And here it was. And a guy who botched the play in the first quarter is being brought back in. Take out the hot guy. Bring this guy back in. Yeah, he gained four yards. Henry was making a big deal out of the fact that the play was a success. So what? Um, they weren't booing him coming off the field. They were booing him coming on the field. When he went off the field, they were cheering. They were cheering Levis coming back on the field. I don't think Levis or Hopkins or Henry are soft by any means. But acknowledging and addressing boos and asking the crowd to act differently is odd to me. They all know the route to being cheered is to produce and win. And they know Malik knows that. They know Willis and Vrabel are big boys. Fans who are out of line, fans who throw stuff, who say racist stuff or anti-gay stuff or harmful stuff or target or talk about players' families or who make other fans uncomfortable. They should absolutely be policed by other fans, by stadium officials, by players with statements after the game, like, like we heard here. But players in Nashville have it so easy, so easy. Hopkins and Henry have played in New York and Philadelphia, and they've got old teammates and friends and old college teammates on those teams who know how harsh it can be there. This is nothing here. Nothing. Fans pay big dollars. You haven't been good. They finally see something great happening, and the coach insists on messing with it. He pulls a quarterback who's going crazy and puts a guy in who turned it over and messed up, couldn't fall on a fumble on his earlier play, and has a history, by the way, of of situational failures when he's put in the game for spot duty. That's an occasion to boo. Let the fans be fans. Go make plays that get cheers. It all takes care of itself. It's a natural process. Fans do not go to games 
to listen to seminars on the radio on the way home, especially when they could be celebrating a win. No lectures, please. No lectures from players about what fans who scrape together money to go to games should and shouldn't do when they're not going beyond normal boundaries. If you're watching on uh, YouTube here, I would kindly request subscribe, like, rate, whatever you can do on this platform or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. It would be a big help to me. Protection is a big issue uh, coming up in this game, obviously. That's the one thing about the win over the Falcons that was a real advantage for the Titans and a break for Levis was that the edge rush of the Falcons is not much. Grady Jarrett is their biggest pass rusher from the interior, which the Titans are built to handle the best. And he tore his ACL during the course of the game. The Titans protected well against the Falcons, uh, but that's the least dangerous pressure they faced all year. I feel like now you've got two top edge guys and the Titans aren't good on the edge and they don't have their preferred lineup because Chris Hubbard suffered a concussion on Sunday and you don't get cleared from a concussion from Sunday in time to play on Thursday. So Alex Highsmith is going to wind up rushing against Andre Dillard, who's going to be at left tackle again. And uh, TJ Watt, the next best thing to Miles Garrett, is going to wind up rushing against Nicholas Petit Frere, who's going to play at right tackle. Those are big killer matchups. And that means the Titans are going to have to help on both of those guys on a frequent basis. They're going to have to do quick game. They're going to have to run successfully again in order to maximize, minimize, really, the, how reliant they are on, on Willis. People are going to have to get open quickly and all of that. Tim Kelly knows that this is a weekly question. I mean, uh, it's a channel. I feel like we talk about these guys every week in terms of the, the defensive ends and the, the DPR. So, uh, you know, this week's no different. They got two really good ones. Um, can't just focus all your attention on one of them, on, on TJ, obviously. Uh, you know, Smith does a great job, um, disruptive. So it's going to be a challenge for, for those tackles for sure. Um, and like we talked about before, everyone's got a piece of it. Uh, you know, wide receivers have to do a great job of winning fast. Um, quarterbacks got to do a great job of getting the ball out of his hand. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a, a whole team effort to make sure that, that we're neutralizing those two players. NPF did not pass protect well um, against the Ravens in London. He run blocked nicely. We know Dillard's record. So, um, you know, this is going to be a big issue in this game with a lively crowd on Thursday night football. We're going to learn more about Levis in this hostile environment with better pressure coming at him from the edges. How does he handle and sort through this kind of stuff. Also, Pittsburgh has a game worth of film now on Levis to evaluate. They're going to counter what the Titans did that helped him be successful and have the time to make some of these deep throws. And Tim Kelly and the Titans are going to have to then counter what Pittsburgh is doing in response to what they saw the Titans do against the Falcons. The chess game is on. 
And we need to see the Titans handle these things. We need to see Will Levis handle these things. It is a big advancement from Sunday to Thursday for Will Levis. And again, it starts at the Titans' weak spot up front on the edge. I'm also sponsored by Jasper's, which is a great restaurant in Nashville between downtown and midtown on West End Avenue. They've got a great menu. They've got great drinks. They've got great service. They've got free parking, which is an outstanding feature anywhere near where Jasper's is. They've got some free games. You can go there and you can play air hockey or pop a shot, uh, ski ball, things like that. And it's a very versatile uh, place. It's, it's a versatile restaurant the way uh, versatile players are, are what the Titans want. So you go there, you can go for lunch, you can sit at the bar alone, listen to a podcast, get some reading done. You can go for a business lunch, business dinner. You can take your, your husband or wife, or you can take your whole family to dinner. It's a place that suits every kind of uh, meal occasion you could forecast. Food's really good. Prices are really reasonable. Can't recommend it highly enough. If you haven't been there, it's beyond time for you to go check out Jasper's. And if you do go there, it's beyond time to uh, make another stop. So check out Jasper's on West End. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. On the private Facebook page, which is a place that you get to visit and commune with other like-minded fans, if you're a member of paulkuharski.com, you uh, were invited to throw out a mailbag question, and I'm going to answer a couple of them here as part of this podcast on a short week. Anthony Michael asks, how many current quarterbacks would I trade Levis for right now, taking into account age and contract? Well, I'm not taking into account contract with the very best quarterbacks in the league. There are at least 11 quarterbacks that I would give up Will Levis for in a second. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavaloa, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, who I never thought I'd be high on, but is playing at a very high level. Dak Prescott, you've got to take. And, and C.J. Stroud, who the Titans, quite frankly, preferred to, to Will Levis and has, has played well for the Texans playing every game this season. He's only thrown one interception. I think those 11 guys, no matter the contract situation, no matter the age, none of them are exceedingly old. You've got to take uh, – any one of them uh, in, a, in a trade for Will Levis. I'm leaving off Kirk Cousins because he's hurt. I'm leaving off Brock Purdy, who's slumping and is a system guy who doesn't have Levis's physical gifts. I'm leaving off Matthew Stafford, who's banged up. He's throwing under 60% right now, and he's 35, and I feel like he's falling apart. I'm leaving off Anthony Richardson, who's not my type, and I – I don't think he's going to pan out, though he did have some good moments before the shoulder injury that cost him his rookie season. Geno Smith, Derek Carr, I'd rather take my chances with Levis and see. And you can't be sure that he's going to be better than those guys, but he's just got more upside at this point. So there are 11 guys I'm taking right now on uh, – 
the night of October 31st, 2023, over Will Levis without really thinking much about it. Jared Sadler said, can the Titans get a deal done on an extension with Derrick Henry? And do I think he'll be reasonable with his demands? He would love to see him here for another year or two. There is no reason whatsoever to do a deal with Derrick Henry right now. He's got 10 games left under contract. You got to see what he does over those 10 games. What if he gets hurt over those 10 games? What if he stalls out over those 10 games? The team has all the leverage, I think, with Henry once this contract is over. And they could decide to go with Tajay Spears moving forward. In fact, I won't be surprised if they do. You'd rather be done a year early with Henry than a year late. No one's going to give him as many touches as the Titans probably would going forward, even though his touches are down. No one's going to give him as many red zone opportunities and goal line chances as the Titans. I don't, I don't think no one can allow him to cement his legacy uh, and his place in franchise history. Like, like the Titans, obviously those things would all build his hall of fame legacy that I'm telling you is far from finished. I'm telling you this from inside knowledge as somebody who is on the Hall of Fame selection committee. The market for a 30-year-old running back who does not play on third down is not going to be big. I know it only takes one. I think that they would have a good enough relationship with Henry that, you know, look, there's no guarantee that if they want him, after the season's over, they're going to have to to go get him because his feelings are probably going to be hurt. And and he's not necessarily going to say, hey, I'll come back and check with you if somebody else wants me. But I think you can pretty reliably think that the market's going to be soft and that nobody's going to jump and make a move early. And you can see what your situation is. Um He's not going to make anything close to, to the 10 million base salary he had this year. I would think more like six, Um, but there's no reason they have to do it now. None. I I would let things play out entirely um, and and see, and they could decide to move forward uh, with a, with Spears and, and find a backup for Spears. Elaine Hamilton with our last question. uh, She said of the stadiums I visited, which ones did I like best? SoFi Stadium in Southern California is an absolute marvel. It's hard to find your way around. I've been there twice. I think I've got it now so I could find a press box, which is on like level seven of level 11 levels or something. It's, it's really complicated, but it's a very cool place. That's unlike anywhere else in the league outside of that. I don't think there's a better place in America. If you take out, tradition and history of the venues than Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where the Titans played in London just a couple of weeks ago, which was just a phenomenal, phenomenal venue, uh, which I was very glad to visit. Lambeau Stadium, uh, Lambeau Field, obviously terrific, terrific place to watch a game. I really like Seattle. I really like Baltimore, though I'm told that the press box, which is one of the two best in the league in terms of proximity to the field, 
Baltimore and Tennessee. Baltimore's press box is moving up next year. Uh, I really like Philadelphia. Those are um, some of my favorites. Minnesota is the next best indoor venue. I'm counting SoFi's indoor, even though it's open air, it's covered. Um, and the LA weather is perfectly fine. Minnesota, very cool. It was only there in, in a COVID empty, very empty stadium setting. Uh, I have not yet been to Vegas, which I hear is also excellent. So uh, I thank the three of you for your questions. And uh, I'll do that once in a while here um, to, to touch base with those of you who uh, are members of the site and contribute through the private Facebook page. I remind you to sign up with Zen Sports through their app. Use code TNPAUL. Uh, check out Jaspers on West End between Midtown and Downtown. And uh, as always, I've got to remind you and urge you, please, please, please do not block the box, but be sure to lock your locks.